Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast, where your two favorite pastors, Kyle and Derek, talk every single week about all of the failures that we have in life that have led to us learning how not to be a youth pastor. Yes. Good one. (laughs) (laughs) Derek, with the hard-hitting journalism, the... Well what more thought, can I say? Well I've, thought out research and the face made for radio. You know what, Kyle? I fail a lot in my life, and so I just accept failure as part of my daily walk. So this, this, I'm glad we can make money off of it. Um, I'm not really sure how you are making money off of this podcast, but so there, there's some under the table deals I've been working on that I can't really get into. At would this you time. care to share any of that with your co-host? No. Mm, you do all you do, you do all the hard work. I I have all the brains of the operation, so I need to be rewarded for that. Somehow. If you have all of the brains of the operation, <laughs> we don't have a lot of brains to this operation. <laughs> Thank you. Means a lot. Just for the record, uh, if this is your first episode, welcome. If Derek would have said the same thing to me, I would have said uh, my response wouldn't have changed. That's fair. Like I, if we only got one set of brains, one set of brains. Well, you got like a right brain and a left brain. Yes. If you only have one brain on the job, then you only have one brain on the job. We're we're one brain short. There you go. I, just, I think most people would look at us even individually and say, "Yeah, maybe you're not all there." No, I think I think together we have collectively one brain because we each have about half a brain. Roughly. That's possible. Yeah, uh, that's possible. But Kyle, we're not here to talk about brains today. No, no, thankfully. we're not. I have a question for you today. Bring a it on. Quick question. I love quick questions. If you could have only one hobby for the yep. rest of your life that wasn't coin collecting, got it. What would it be? Worshiping Jesus. That doesn't count. <laughs> that's not a hobby. And if that's a hobby for you, I, I have I have more concerns. No, it is a pleasure of my spiritual life, and it is a hobby because I just love worshiping so much. I'm such a good Christian. I strongly dislike you. God, please love me. Uh, we just lost our new listeners. <laughs> Probably. It would, just now, they stuck through all of that <laughs> intro, Let's and then honest. we lost them on that. <laughs> Let's be honest. They, they, we don't have new listeners Man, because if we scared I, everybody away. If I only had one hobby the rest of my life, and apparently I can't pick coin collecting, which nope. is a real bummer. Yep. Um, are Were you aware when you said that, that I do collect coins? No. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Uh, not like seriously but my like when i was growing up my grandpa and grandma gave us a like we had like the little book where yep. like you got to find every state quarter yep and of course now they like they got quarters for every like national monument and it just got really out of hand really fast but like we should we really just need to go back to making normal quarters but uh we had that we had like you know each each year for like pennies and nickels and all that but my grandpa had a book of um Indian head pennies which oh, were I didn't know this. manufactured from I believe 1865 or 1859 65 was the civil war until 1909 uh was the year they stopped making them and so I think you know what I it must have been 1859 then because they changed slightly starting in 1865 and in, in what they were made of. And maybe the civil war had something to do with that. Perhaps. But, uh, yeah. So they, they made, uh, these, these pennies for, you know, what, like 40, 50 years. 
And, uh, so he had a collection where, you know, of like one for every year. And, uh, he passed that along to me before it was finished. And so, uh, my, my goal at some point in life is to finish it. Um, but that can't be my hobby because Derek stipulated that coin collecting, sorry, man, didn't count. So, uh, I, what hobby would I do for that? Dude, this is like the worst question possible. I don't Thank think, you. I, I don't think I have any. Yes, you do. We just talked about one about five minutes ago. Fantasy football. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess. Or that, is that a job to you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we do have like a league comprised of youth students and youth leaders. And so that is part of my job maybe. Yeah. But, uh, I, I mean like coaching football. Yeah. Uh, like sure. I get paid very minimally for it, but, uh, if I could only do one hobby for the rest of my life, that one, that one might be it. Yeah. It's a good call. Yeah. It's what about call. you? Um, duck hunting would probably be mine. I got, if, if we can call that a hobby, same kind of thing. No, I think that, you know, it's definitely fair to say that, you know, sitting cold in the woods for eight hours, dripping wet. Let's is be honest. I'm a duck hunter. Fun. I don't sit that long. I, it's That's duck, true. duck hunting is kind That's of true. luxury hunting. You can be loud and you can eat snacks and you can make noise and you can still accomplish a task. I do not understand why people find deer hunting or any other kind of hunting where you have to sit still and be quiet. Yeah. Um, Believe me, I know. No, not a chance. Especially with the very much reality that you might not see anything, let alone yeah. shoot anything. Yep. And pay money to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So therefore, we concluded we're smarter than everybody else, I think is what we have deducted thus far. I'm really confused as how you drew that <laughs> conclusion, but that's fine. <laughs> hey, hey, but we're not here to talk about duck hunting or fantasy football or coin collecting. Which is a real bummer because I could go on and you know on what? about the 1877 Indian head penny. It's one of the rarest one. Less than a million were printed. I believe it's 644,000 and it is worth a lot of money. That's what I was going to ask. How much? Uh, At least a cent. The, oh, yes. I hope so. Uh, no, I think that uh, the 1877s usually, uh, like the cheapest that you can find them is usually like six or 700 bucks. And you have one? No. Oh. That one's still on the wish list. Okay. And where is your said coin collection if someone were to periodically just want to know where you're- uh, In a locked safe in my house. Which is where? In my basement. What's the common- <laughs> Well, I just, just I think I, you're missing the uh, key phrase of locked safe. Well, I was gonna ask for the combination next, but I couldn't. Well, get, I couldn't get through it. You'd have to get into my house, and I'm not giving you a key to that either. And I'm not inviting you over. That's for sure. Well, that's I probably overstayed my welcome once or twice for three times. But no, you set off the smoke detector. I not at your house. That was at my house when we had, <laughs> we we have deducted that Kyle and I and our wives cannot ever have dinner together in our houses because something. No, we can have dinner. Wrong. We just can't cook. Yeah, because it it was two different smoke alarms. Um, we each cut our. I think I cut myself once. Yep. Um, you dropped a bowl of puppy chow, a glass bowl, and shattered it in the middle of the street. Yep. Yep. So that's why we go out to eat now, and it's yep. great. But in any case, Kyle, Anyways. we're not here to talk about any of that. We're here to talk about... <laughs> How many times can I get you to say we're yeah, not here to talk for about... real. Insert. What? Should I say it again? No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about idols, all right? So a few different idols we got. We have American Idol. 
Yeah, I was going to make a joke, but I was like five seconds late. And you, it, and you even knew it. Probably so, wasn't appropriate Phil. for the podcast Dad, anyway. thank you for that. Yep. So we have American Idol. We have what happens when you turn your car on while it's in park. That's an idol. Uh, we have idol notions. And do we have any more kind of idols? I maybe should have made that joke because it would have been so much better than whatever you just did. Thank you. Say it. You can't be this far and not say it. No, you said, let's talk about idols. And so I was going to start singing, let's talk about, and then I didn't want to say that. Okay, never mind. I retract. I do not want you to sing. Okay. Told you. I warned you. But did you listen to me? No. For the sake of everyone who's listening, we do not want Kyle to sing in the slightest. So I'm a great singer. Let's talk about idols instead because... This is a word that if you've been to church or if you've been in church culture for a decent amount of time, you've probably heard of this thing called an idol. Um, and so we're going to talk about it today on a holistic kind of uh, you know, framework. We want to talk about it from if you're a believer in Jesus, here's something to consider with idols. But then as we go along, we want to get a little bit more emphasized on how it impacts your youth ministries, because I believe there are actually idols within youth ministries that you might not even realize. And so, you know, as uh, we go through this, I think as Kyle and I are so uh, intrigued and emphasizing, uh, making sure things are correct, Uh, We want to define what an idol actually is. And so Tim Keller, who is a, is he a pastor still? Um, That is a good question. He's an author. We'll call him an author because I don't know if he is currently pastoring or not. He was pastoring at one point. He was a pastor. Uh, Reformed Community Church? That sounds right. That sounds right. Let's let's Wikipedia Tim Keller. See, see we need Wikipedia. I I feel like we should get Wikipedia to sponsor because it really is consistent at this point. We should. We used uh, Wikipedia last episode. That's true. If you didn't hear our last episode, uh, don't go listen to it. But uh, or you, do well. That was uh, okay. First of all, Redeemer City. Yeah, you were close. I was really, really close. <laughs> um, according to his Wikipedia page, um, he stepped down from his role as senior pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church. Whoa! Uh, in 2017. The move was part of a larger vision to shift his efforts from preaching to training the next generation of church leaders and starting new churches in global cities through Redeemer City to City. Nice. Do you want me to get into uh, his the part of his Wikipedia page on his theological views? He has theological views on Did idolatry. Did I respond? <laughs> Look at Does that. he really? Yes. Well, it's probably good because that's where I got my definition for idolatry from. So you should keep that up and see if this sounds familiar. Um, So Tim Keller, who is a former pastor and now author who writes some great books, this is how he defined idolatry or an idol specifically as Kyle, I'm sure we'll cross-reference here. But here's what he says. Anything more important to you than God or anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God? And anything that you seek to give you what only God can give. So can you give us a brief synopsis on what that really means, Kyle? Uh, First of all, that's good. (laughs) And if you want to follow up further on Tim Keller's views of idolatry, uh, he has a book called Counterfeit Gods. Nice. Um, according to his Wikipedia page. <laughs> uh, no, that's that's a really, really good definition. Uh, I think, because when we think about 
idols, even in the modern context, I do think that, you know, we think about like something that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Yeah. I, I, when I think of an idol, uh, oftentimes I think of like, you know, where do I spend my time? Uh, you know, where do my thoughts go? And I think that's a really good, you know, partial definition for an idol. But I, what I love about Tim Keller's definition is that he includes that second half, anything that you seek to give you what only God can give. Yep. Uh, and and that's where, you know, his Wikipedia section here uh, talks about how, you know, Tim Keller uh, states that contemporary idol worship continues today in the form of an addiction or devotion to money, career, sex, power, and anything people, blah, blah, blah. Like those things don't necessarily, you know, absorb a ton of your thoughts necessarily, or even your time. Uh, but they, you are attempting to get them to give you the the feeling or or fill the void that God is supposed to. Yep. And, and I think that that can be just as big of an idol as something that just takes up a bunch of your time. Right, because when you look at idolatry or an idol specifically, let's just kind of break this down quick. The first commandment, Exodus chapter 20, is you should have no other gods before Yahweh or before the God that we love and serve. And so when you look throughout the Old Testament, it'd be very interesting to, and this might be like a blueletterbible.com type of search, but it'd be it'd be interesting to see how many times the word idol uh, comes up in the Old Testament because it's a very, very common theme of the Israelites uh, where they had an idol that they would worship. Now, when you look back in the Old Testament, when they talk about idol worship, again, it was probably the biggest sin, the biggest problem they had. Um, This was a literal um, worshiping of idols. So what they would do is they would worship an image or an object that was man-made. So, you know, they create a little wooden figure uh, and they name this God and they pray to this God and they worship this God. They do all this different stuff. So some of the biggest quote unquote gods, and I say quote unquote, because these would be an idol. This would be a counterfeit God, as Tim Keller says, um, Baal, as we call him, or Baal as, uh, uh, Wayne from, uh, I think that was his name, right? Uh, I have no name? idea the what guy, you're talking about. The guys about. from Israel that, that did the tour. Um, gosh, dang it. Um, Wayne. I thought it was. We had, oh, we had, um, Oh my Wave, not, not Wave Nunnally. Yes, not Wayne. Sorry. I was thinking yeah. of Wayne Cordero, which is definitely oh, not. I thought him. you were gonna go to uh Wayne Brady from uh, uh, who's Definitely anyway. not. Definitely not. Although also, just for the record, uh the word idol appears fifty one times. The word idols appears a hundred and one times. Interesting. So hundred and fifty and change. Also combined. Idols, I D O L apostrophe S one time. <laughs> Blue letter Bible. Uh, King James Bible Dictionary.com. There you go. Even better. Yep. Even better. So do you, do you pronounce that as Baal or Baal? I, I do believe that Baal is technically the pronunciation. I think so. But nine times out of 10, I'm going to say Baal yep. because if I say Baal, nobody's going to know what I'm talking no, about. No, and we're going to butcher it. Um, Probably. Here's, <laughs> here's the next one that's very common. Asherah. Yep. 
Uh, there's Asherah poles. That, that's like the the statue or the thing that they would use to worship this God. But back in the Old Testament times, the Israelites got into trouble because there was a God of fertility. There was a God of wind. There was a God of water. There was all these different quote unquote gods that they would worship. Uh, real quick, First Samuel chapter five would be another, uh, maybe the third most popular idol of Dagon. Uh, that that Ooh, was yeah. the story where like God made the idol fall over. Yep. And then they put it back up it and then fall he made over it fall again. over and like it all like <laughs> cracked to pieces. God's like enough of this. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that's another one that, uh, that people are probably pretty familiar with. Yeah. And, and the, and the whole purpose of, I think it's actually in, in first Samuel, but they basically, God's whole thing is these gods are not living. Like you're worshiping an object that does have not have life in it. Like I do. And so, um, you know, it's also why we see God is a jealous God. We have these in worship songs because God wants our utmost devotion. He wants us to worship him and him alone because we believe he is the one true God. Um, he's the Trinity. He's the, you know, the father, son, Holy spirit. But at the end of the day, uh, what we believe as Christians is that there is one true God, Yahweh. And so when he has, when the Israelites had this problem with idol worship, the problem was they were turning their back on the living God and, you know, chasing these other so-called gods. Now, um, this isn't even in our, our show doc, but Kyle, I think it's prudent to go like, why would they do that? Right? Like they had, they had everything. They had direct access to God. They were tight with him. Their ancestors and the ones that came before them had these amazing miracles um, with God. But like, I, I think probably the most common example of this idol worship um, is the golden calf um, where uh, Moses is literally up on the mountain spending time with God, getting the 10 commandments. And I believe they're, they're waiting on the bottom, correct? And, and so they are literally waiting for, you know, Moses to come back down. He's taking a long time. So they go, Hmm, this is taking a long time. Let's create our own God really quick. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is like three months after God parted the red sea for yeah. them and delivered them out of Egypt. And they're like, yeah, we're kind of bored. Let's take all our gold jewelry, fire it together and build a cow. Yeah. Which I have so many questions, you I know, have like so many questions. Like, How do they do that? Why did they choose a cow? You know, I yeah, put- have you ever thought this is like, have you ever thought about like how yeah. they went about boiling down their gold jewelry to build a golden calf? Like in, in my mind, it is a very, very smooth, well-crafted golden calf. Yep. Like we're talking what? 4,000, 5,000 years ago. Are, is there any room for a possibility where this is like a loosely resembling a calf kind of situation and you know they're they're very uh like it's not smooth at all you can still make out some of the definitions of the old jewelry do you know do you know what comes to my mind immediately in the third grade i made a rhino out of clay um like and you might (laughs) you might imagine uh what this rhino looked like um it the body of it was like a rectangular prism as if you took a a square and just smashed it on the table (laughs) like there was no roundness to it then i I took a, like a just a chunk of play-doh that like my daughter would squeeze in her hand stick that on the front of it that was the head the legs were four different sizes it was it was and then you put it in the kiln and you bring it home and you're like i made a rhino and, and your like, parents are like yes that yeah. definitely is a rhino apparently so then i found it in eighth grade and cut myself because there's so many rough edges on it because <laughs> like the so 
as I envision this golden cap, that's what I come up with, you know? And so like the, I, I look back on the on these Israelites who literally, like you said, Kyle, three months prior, they are running for their lives after they saw God do unthinkable things with all the plagues. They get to the Red Sea. They have a whole army chasing them behind them. God splits the Red Sea. They walk through. God brings the water back over and drowns them all. And three months later, they go, I'm not sure if God's actually real. I'm not sure if God's actually going to come through here. Like, to think of that happening is crazy, um, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. We kind of do the same thing, a little teaser here. But the point is, like, I believe um, the other part of this is worshiping some of these other gods is a little bit more, I would say, convenient. Um, you know, like, I can't remember which of these quote-unquote gods it is, but, like, there's actual, like, part of the worship of these quote unquote gods was like these sexual acts and things you have to do. Like there is basically what it comes down to is with Yahweh, our God, you have to trust him. You have to actually do it. You know what he's calling you to do Uh, with these other ones. You kind of get to pick and choose what you want to do. And it's kind of a problem. And so where they really started to get into trouble here, where the Israelites really started to divert on their path was this idea of polytheism or syncretism. And you ring a bell, Kyle, back in the Bible college days of these two words floating around? Uh, yeah, most of my Bible days uh, or Bible college days, uh, you know, my, my mind in class was a little bit clouded from all the Mario <laughs> Kart that I had played yeah, the night before. Sure. Uh, but they ring a bell. Yeah. So syncretism basically is when you take two different religions or two different ideas and mash them together. Um, and so you might love Jesus, but you also are going to um, do the five times of prayer that it happens in the Islamic faith. Um, and so the in 2022, uh, the poster child of syncretism is when you are driving down the street and see a bumper sticker that says coexist. Um, that is kind of the poster child for syncretism. So yeah, and, and just real quick, syncretism is uh, kind of what God was instructing the Israelites to avoid when he gave them commands such as do not marry somebody yes. from this people group. Uh, because whenever you have intermarriage, now you're mingling, like you got in-law relationships that you are managing and you know it's a very it becomes a very sticky situation in which compromises inevitably made when it comes to your faith practices. Uh, and then it just goes downhill from there. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, to fast forward to nowadays, 2022, uh, most people are not going to church on Sunday and coming home, having lunch, taking a nap. And then that night having a ritual in the living room with a wooden statue on their mantle. Like that's not happening. At least I shouldn't say it's not happening because I'm sure it does happen (laughs) in some corner of the world. But um, when we talk about idol worship or as Tim Keller so uh, adequately describes uh, contemporary idol worship, uh, it's not as literal in the sense that the Israelites had back in the Old Testament. Uh, This goes more with his definition of what are the things in our life that take more of our priority? What are those things in our life that we're looking to fulfill us and, and, and meet a need that really God should be uh, the one meeting? And there's a bunch of different things we're going to talk about in a general sense here. Um, but these really are the things that boil down when you hear about a believer or a Christian 
having an idol. Uh, these are the things that are kind of being referenced in a sermon or in a talk, whatever it is. And Kyle, in true to form on this wonderful podcast we have, I'm going to jump in with perhaps my more controversial idea of what I think uh, it sounds about right. is a modern day idol. Um, when I look at this episode, this was the first thing that came to my mind and gave me a chance to explain myself. But I believe one of the greatest idols in our world and in our culture right now is politics or government more specifically. Now, before I get into any more details here, I want to have a disclaimer. We need government. This is not an anti-government. The government is of the devil. They're all out to kill us and they're all corrupt. I'm not saying that. Jesus himself um, in the gospels talks about, he's talking to his disciples, I believe it was, um, where he's saying, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Point being, pay your taxes, be a good upstanding citizen because that's what you're supposed to do. So he himself understands that the institution of government that we have is something that we should maintain. Now, here's where we're going to get into this. I think there are times Christians, people who love God, love going to church, read their Bible, are chasing after God. We can get into trouble when we start to think that in whomever is sitting in a chair of office now dictates the course and well-being of your life. I can't tell you how many times this was back when uh, the 2020 election was happening. How many times I heard people, Christians, say, you can't call yourself a Christian if you vote for this person. Did you hear that ever? You know, I did hear that. And the ironic part was that I heard it for both candidates, uh-huh. which is what made it so in it, it. I mean, in my own twisted world, it made it enjoyable to watch. But in reality, it was really sad. Before I go into a soapbox, can you tell me why that probably isn't super theologically correct? Um, yeah. So book that I would, uh, highly recommend, and I have to kind of do a 180 here to see if I can find it on my bookshelf. You have um, so many books. We know I you. do. you're smart. I believe it's called before you vote by David Platt. Uh, great book on this subject. And it's, it is called before you vote by David Platt. Uh, the, he does a great job of walking through you know, the, the illustration that I like to use uh, is, you know, on in America, we regrettably have a two-party political system where you have Democrats and you have Republicans. Uh, on the Republican side, uh, which, which, by the way, uh, one of George Washington's parting uh, in, in his farewell speech as president he warned us not to have a two-party political system. Perfect. So plus one point for George Washington, minus 100 points for everybody else who lived after him. Um, Republicans have kind of thrown down the gauntlet on uh, abortion being something that they want to take a stand against. Correct. Uh, You know, they they want to, uh, you know, ban abortions on a pretty wide scale. if you look at scripture, uh, it's pretty easy to back that stance. Yep. Democrats have kind of taken uh, you know immigration as one of the things that they want to you know stand their ground on, and and they want to you know welcome uh, you know 
a, a lot of people from other nations immigrating into the United States. Uh, it is very easy to back that up with scripture. Mm-hmm. And so you can see kind of two opposing political systems, both with really core biblical values. Yep. Uh, not to say that both things on either, or not to say that everything on both sides is politically valued, mm-hmm. uh, valued, but, or biblically valued, but, uh, it's, it's incredibly short sighted to think that if Jesus were in America today, he would have a single party that he would vote for. Right. But here's what I think is crazy. There are a lot of people who would disagree with you. Yep. There are people who would say, oh, he 100% would be this party for X, Y, and Z. Now, here's where I think we're getting into idol territory here. I have seen people who have been friends. I have seen people who have been very, very active, faithful volunteers in their churches. I have seen people who literally are, are Christ has brought things together. And as soon as there is political dissension amongst the church and the person, as soon as this person thinks that the pastor votes away or certain uh, votes a certain way, um, as soon as the person that they volunteer with votes a different way than them, it creates this friction where they go, I, I just can't do this anymore. I can't stand to be around them. Uh, in the last, let's see here, two years, really three years, um, right around that 2020 election time, I saw more division and more fractured relationships amongst believers than ever before. And my question is, why is that? Because here's what I will say. I will say, who sits in the presidential chair here in America? It does make a difference. It doesn't make make a difference in the way you live your life. It'd be foolish to say it doesn't because otherwise, what's the point of having a president or a government for that matter? I know it impacts your life. But at the end of the day, are we really going to say, depending who's sitting in that chair is going to dictate how we like proceed in our faith or how we proceed in the way we live our life with other people? Cause like if, if by, from what I'm seeing action wise, that is what you're saying. You're saying, because I disagree with you on your political stance, I am now going to disqualify any spiritual growth that we can have together or you know, with someone else because of this. Yeah. And you look at going back to what you said, like you can't call yourself a Christian if you vote for this person. Uh, Last I checked, the main requirement to call myself a Christian was a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Which has nothing to do with politics. Correct. Uh, will never have something to do with politics. Uh, that's, well, that's, that's a stretch to say never. There are probably some countries or some possibilities where that, that has a political, uh, implication. But my point is, uh, you know, in, in the current America, you do not have an active persecution against Christians. Yep. Um, and and this is something where like to, you know, if we're going to jump on our political soapbox here for a second, when it comes to Christians handling it very poorly, uh, I have seen a lot of Christians over the last, I I think that, yeah, okay. 
the the last three years that Derek kind of laid out, I saw a lot of Christians talking about how the the Christians in America were being persecuted. Mm-hmm. You were not being persecuted. Mm-hmm. You were just losing privilege. There's a really big difference between being persecuted and losing privilege. Uh, you know, you are no longer to, if, if you, you know, say the name Jesus and, and pray out loud in your classroom, you get sent to the principal's office. Go ask somebody in, I don't know, Iran, if, you know, when, when they say Jesus and pray in their school and they get shot on the spot, like, I'm, I'm making it. I don't know that that necessarily happens in Iran, but it does happen in places yes, around the world. Mm-hmm. Afghanistan actually would probably be on that list right now. Uh, go ask them if you are being persecuted because I most assuredly would bet that they would say you're not. Uh-huh. And so to think that the American politics play such a huge role in our Christian faith is it's short-sighted. It is embarrassing and it's conceited. It's selfish. Uh, pick a negative adjective and throw it in that sentence. Like it is embarrassing to think that American Christians are so self-absorbed that they are unable to befriend, let alone grow in Christ, the person across the aisle. It's, it's amazing to me. And one thing that uh, my wife and I are pretty open about, we vote different. We vote differently. When we go, I'm not going to say who votes for who. I, would, I think that'd be... Uh, I will. So Derek votes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's the thing is we vote differently. And guess what, Kyle? It doesn't make a difference in our marriage. It, 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 there are certain things we don't see eye to eye on. And when we get into conversations about them, like we're both passionate about the way we see things. But guess what? At the end of the day, it doesn't make a difference in how we interact each other. It doesn't matter well, how we love each other. I will say like it, it does inherently make a difference, but there's a difference yes. between making a difference and having an impact. Like, okay, like we have learned over, you know, five years of marriage that there are six, s- six years of marriage Get that right. there are some things that we don't talk about. Yep. Or, or there are some things where we recognize where this is going and we are just going to stop this conversation because we know that yep. we're going to disagree. But at the same time, we still love each other and we, you know, can talk about other things and and we can have a very, very healthy marriage without voting the exact same on every single little issue. So how come that can't translate to the church? Because, uh, (laughs) I I think that there are, I, dude, I don't like to to be clear. I'm not saying that it's, it's a universal comparison. Like people are dumb. Well, and selfish yeah. marriage by definition requires selflessness. Yep. But people are under the impression that being a Christian does not require selflessness. Or I don't know. Sacrifice. I don't know what Bible they're reading <laughs> where they got that conclusion, but this has been the best yeah, episode. Yet. I got nothing. I, it, you know, and so I, I don't want to spend too much more time here. Cause there's a lot more we got to, to discuss here, but like the point remains the same is like, there are situations and, you know, s- scenarios in which you can see things differently yet still. I love how you said it, like grow in Christ. I mean, like at what point are we just drawing a line in the sand? Cause 
there there really is no reason for that. So, you know, again, I, I we could talk probably a whole episode on how politics can become an idol, um, you know, but realistically, want, we want to dive into some more other ones here. And so I'm we're kind of just shotgun back and forth here. But um, some of the other idols that are a little more obscure um, is uh, relationships. Like there are some situations in which all of a sudden, you know, now uh, I, I can't grow on my, or I'm, I'm going to choose this person over my faith walk. You know, sometimes that's romantic in nature. Sometimes it's a friendship. Sometimes it's a family member, but there are situations in which you literally are drawing on this hand saying, I'm going to turn my back on my faith because I care about this relationship more. And it's not always such a conscious decision as that. Like we want to talk about youth ministry for a second. How many times have we seen youth students like stop showing up to church for six months and then they show up again and you find out that they were, they just got out of a six month relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, or like I'm dude, like date to date to convert strategies. Like I am going to bring somebody to the kingdom of God through my dating relationship with them. Yep. It never works. <laughs> it literally never works. What's that sermon illustration where you, you pull them off the chair? Yeah, have you used that one with that? No, what? That, 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 you've never used that? Uh-uh. It's a great one. So like th- th- that that rationale of kind of like, hey, like, I really want to like... Con- Here's here's my stipulation. Adults, I think there's 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 leeway there, but youth students, it's very difficult. So the illustration I have is you have a student um, who is standing on a chair, and then there's a student standing on the stage, not on the chair. And so the first person tries to the person on the chair says, "Oh, because you say, hey, grab grab her hand, grab his hand, and try and pick him up off the ground while you're standing on the chair." Very difficult to do. Like one, one hand. without the person on the ground putting in any effort? Correct. Like like, like the person nice. on the ground standing flat-footed extends their hand and the person standing on the chair a foot and a half off the ground needs to try to pull that person one-handed up off the ground. Okay, you might imagine. Yep. Difficult to do. Yep. Now, the person on the ground, you flip. And so, hey, try to pull this person off the chair. Person grabs one hand, yeah. yanks them off the chair. Yeah. Like purpose being, it's a lot harder to bring somebody up but it's a lot easier for them to tear you down. Like yeah, that, that's, that's the illustration. Um, but no, I just ruined it for you. Now you can't use it in your youth ministry unless they listen to our oh, podcast. I'm sh- well, first of all, I would venture to guess that the students that need to hear it are not the ones listening to the podcast. Um, but no, that's good. I think that students are less so- typically less solid in their faith than, you know, ma- grown adult, mature yep. Christian anyway. And so when they get, they're like, Oh, I I'm just going to start dating this person, even though I don't even know who I am. And yep. then they're surprised when they get hurt really bad and it doesn't go well. Right. Yeah. Uh, but here are some other ones. We, we need to go faster because we got we got too wrapped up in Derek politics. Derek said he wanted this episode to be 20 minutes long. And how are we? 38. Okay, perfect. Uh, a few other idols. Comfort and security. How many times have you had this, Kyle, where God's calling you to step out and do something, but because it's more comfortable to not do something, you do it, you know? So I apologize because I'm going to make this episode go 30 seconds longer than I could have. I preached a couple weeks ago out of Joshua chapter six, which is Jericho. Yep. And there's a line in this sermon that we need to read here. So ask me that question again. How many times, how many times have, has God asked you to step out and do something, but because you liked your comfort more, you didn't that question. 
I would rather have the possibility of failure than live with the regret of my own inaction. Where'd you get that from? Jesus. <laughs> what translation is that? I Well, I mean, like it was oh, divinely okay. inspired. Not I, like he said that. Uh, that, that is, let me just read that again for the people in the back. Um, that doesn't work as well on the podcast. No, it doesn't, (laughs) but I appreciate the effort. I would rather have the possibility of failure than live with the regret of my own inaction. Uh, you know, walking by faith is being scared to death and doing it anyways. Wow. Like that, that line is from Russell Johnson at the pursuit, uh, over in Seattle, which is, uh, a pastor that I referenced on our last podcast. Sure is. Uh, I, I like, we are so like, if I don't know exactly what's going to happen, then I'm not going to do it. That is a very, very dangerous place to, uh, to be another one that the, another idol that I I'll throw out here is, um, I don't know money. Uh, and and this one kind of goes both ways too. Like there are people that, find, you know, security, find comfort and security in finances and an abundance of finances. And so they, they view making a bunch of money as, um, you know, as, as something to aspire toward. Yep. That's, that's the most important thing in life. Uh, this is going to be a kind of a different take, but I'm going to go with a lack of finances being an idol. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, there are people who are proud to need other people's help. There are people that want to be saved. And when that applies to their finances, they purposely do not take some actions that they could to remain in that state. Whether that is the government bailing them out or the church bailing them out, Um, you know, I've worked at a church long, Derek can probably attest to this as well. I've worked at a church long enough to know that like people just go to a church and ask for financial assistance. And if they don't get it, or even if they do get it, they will walk down the street and go to the next church and ask the same question an hour and a half later. And they'll just kind of make their rounds. And if they can find a church that they can get, you know, more than one ask out of and and they'll say yes then that's great and as soon as it dries up they'll go to the next one uh but they do nothing to and, and you know there are there are actually people that are down on their luck and and that's what a benevolence program should be for in a church but i have seen individuals that would rather do that than like go and get a job that could take them out of a lifestyle where that is necessary yep yeah and wanna, as you said that i thought you were going to go down in the direction of you know, sometimes an offset of that is like shopping, you know, or spending of money. Like, you know, there, there's some, yeah, that's a good one th- too. There's some things in your life where you're, you're, again, it goes back to Tim Keller. I love that line. Like you're looking to fill a need that only God can fulfill. Like if you're in a situation where the walls are closing in, you feel stress and you feel whatever it is. Like, I just need to go shopping. I need to go do something for myself. And so you can get into a, to a cycle of where that, that becomes an unhealthy pattern of spending and that type of thing. And so here's what I'm going to say, a little bit of a spoiler alert. Um, if you are living, you've probably struggled with idol worship at some point. Um, it, it is what it is. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a pastor, it doesn't matter if you're a staunch believer. At some point or some other, we have put, needs 
or things or situations before God. It is just, it is what it is. You can package it differently. You can name it differently. You can, you can, you know, put it in a whole different perspective. But at the end of the day, there are times where we blatantly and intentionally choose something other than God to fill a need that only God can truly meet. And so uh, it's not a matter of, hey, do you have idol worship? It's a matter of which ones do you have? And then what we want to end with on this podcast is, what do you do about it? You know, like how do you approach it? So a question I'm going to dialogue back and forth with, for, with Kyle here is like, what constitutes worshiping an idol? Because priority, you know, is, is kind of a relative and subjective term. Like it, it's hard to quantify and say, Hey, this is, uh, my highest priority. Now, I think some some listening will probably say, well, you can quantify it's with time. Like whatever you spend the most time on, that's your greatest priority. Now here's where um, I struggle with that, okay? So something Kyle and I both love, we've talked about it in length, probably too much length on this podcast, is something called fantasy football. Derek, whose team is better right now? Um, it depends which league. The league we're in together. Why would I be asking about leagues we're not in together? Uh, you, you wouldn't ask if my team was better than yours. Well, even if, if I was talking about a league that we are in together, I wouldn't ask <laughs> if your team was better than mine. That's fair. But I am asking because yes, my team is, is better, better than yours. Yep, it is. I, I, I blatantly bow down to this you, master. Is, okay, whoa, that's, that's a wrong episode <laughs> to say that. Uh, but this is like, f- good example. Like, yeah, fantasy football is something that we are both very, very passionate about. We can spend time, you know, doing fantasy football. On Sunday... You know, you spend three hours at church and then you might spend the next four hours watching football. Does because you spend more time watching football, does that automatically make it an idol? Yes. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Uh, (laughs) Yes, um, it does. Uh, I was wrong. Uh, No, it does not automatically make it an idol. There, there is time. And then there is also, uh, you know, you know, whether, whether or not I spend time doing it is important. Whether or not I prioritize time doing it, like that is different. Like mm-hmm. there, there are other differences we can get into, but that is, that is something that is a distinction that needs to be made. Yeah. Well, and I think for me too, it comes down to a heart issue. Like where is your heart at? You know, cause I, th- I think that, that kind of goes into where you're like, if you are prioritizing, um, like I need to get up and set my lineups. I need to make sure I'm up to watch the end of this game at the expense of, I don't have any time to do my devos. I don't have any time to spend time with the Lord. I don't have any time to do X, Y, Z. Okay. Now that's a problem. You know, that that's where you get into that. And so, um, I, I think what, what's interesting is we have to figure out, you know, and this may be something we don't conclude on this episode today, but like, where's that line between I am pursuing a heart's desire of mine. I am pursuing a passion of mine. At what point does it become idol worship? You know, cause again, it's it's easy to say, hey, uh, like when you're prioritizing one over the other, yes. But like, is there a line? Is there a situation in which you're now into quote unquote idle territory, whereas, you know, an hour ago, two hours ago, you weren't. Like, like you know where I'm kind of going with that. Like, like yeah. where, where do you kind of land on that pendulum? I think that, dude. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's a great answer because I, I feel the same way. I think that. Anytime this is this is not this is like indirectly related to this. You know, 
your time with God mm-hmm. and and your connection to God, you know that that is always what these things need to be measured against. Yeah. Okay. And so, if at any point you view your time with God, not and I'm not okay. Let me finish the thought first. If at any point you view your time with God as simply a box that needs to be checked, then there is a problem. And and I'm not talking about like this is a one day thing. Like there are days like like hey, for this one day, like for whatever reason, this just like I'm not feeling it, mm-hmm. but I'm going to do it anyway. Yep. Throw on some worship music, spend some time with the Lord. Yep. Uh if if but but for over an extended period of time, if there's like two or three weeks in a row where this is just a mindless box that you check, yep. you're you're reading one chapter of the Bible of the day in in a day, but like right after you read it, you're not you don't even remember what it was that you just read. You mm-hmm. got you're not slowing down and actually reading it and comprehending it. Uh, you know your your prayers dissolve into like God, thank you for this food, bless our house, Amen. Yeah. Uh, if, if that's where you find yourself, I, I almost wonder if first you need to make, like, first you need to make sure that your faith is your idol. (laughs) You know, your faith is on that level that it needs to be. And then you can start to examine, uh, some of the other things in your life. Uh, you know, fantasy football, shopping, uh, whatever it is, uh, you know, music for some people, uh, the music that they listen to, uh, finances, whatever relationships, politics, we can't, I, I don't know that we can necessarily define any of those things as idols until our relationship with God is like, like we got to scale that mountain first. That's the standard. Yeah. And then you know, when that's, then now we can realize once that starts to slip a little bit and something else takes its place, it, we can identify that. Yeah, I but love until, that. until our, our faith is the number one prior, it's almost like you can't have an idol until your faith was number one and is no longer. It's so good. It's so good. You know, and I think that that really it is because what I love about that, what we're going to end with, it's like, that's the resolution, right? Like, it's one thing to acknowledge that you have an idol because I'm I'm just gonna like fly through these like bullet points here because let's let's chat youth ministry for a second because I believe there are very um, unique idols that youth pastors battle um, within the context of their ministry. Number one, achievement. Like I believe achievement is a massive uh, idol that youth pastors have. What I mean by that, when you start figuring out what's our weekly attendance, what numbers do we give for our missions push. How big are our small groups? You know, when you start looking at those metrics and they start to slip and now instead of praying more or clinging to God or looking for him to direction, you're spending more time looking at that those articles of 10 ways to grow your youth ministry. You spend more time. <laughs> it's a true thing, right? Like, <laughs> like not disagreeing. That just made me laugh. It, it, it's, it's just one of those things. Like when you... This, this, like, I'm reading a book right now called Lead by crap. What's his name? I'm blanking on it, but uh, Kyle Besh. Nope, you're not smart enough to write Craig a book. Groeschel. No, great, great guy, too, though. 
Um, but the, the first chapter was about achievement and how so many times as ministers, we fuse our identity into achievement. So yes, we want to love our community and love our church because that's what we're called to do, but it can so quickly and so easily morph into I want to grow our church because it gives me the illusion of success. It makes me feel like I'm doing something significant. And so what happens with that is when that becomes your idol, the response to that is you spend more time figuring out how to grow your church and less time how to grow on your walk. And that's where you get into a problem. Uh, Here's another big one, approval. Like how many times has God called or, you know, instruct you to make a call, do something outside of the comfort zone, do something you know is going to ruffle feathers, but needs to be done and how easy it is to not do it because you know, you're not going to be approved of by the receiving party. Yeah. Um, Paul David Tripp. Thank you. Uh, author of lead. So but, uh, I, I like, I had a conversation where, uh, I've had conversations uh, in the past where it's like, Hey, I want to really be, I want to be a youth leader in your youth ministry and, you know, gaining their approval means the answer is yes. But following God means the answer is no. And I have, I have, and I have also seen other youth pastors say yes when they should have said no. Yep. And it holds back your youth ministry. It does, you know, which is it, crazy when, when you don't have the right leaders around you. And so, you know, that's, that's an example where if, if, you, if approval is so important to you that you don't want to ruffle feathers uh, and you're willing to, uh, you know, gain people's approval at the expense of your ministry quality. Uh, yeah, that's definitely an idol. Another one that, that we could throw on here is, you know, as, as youth pastors, um, work being an idol, being a youth pastor, being an idol. Like you can, you can be in ministry and be a workaholic. Uh, you know, if, if the job is so important to you and, and you're spending so much time in the job that your own personal walk and your, you know, if, if you are a male youth pastor, especially the, the, spiritual leading of your household, if that is falling by the wayside, that's a problem. Yeah. It's an idol. It, it, it which is it. And the scary part with that is you don't know what's happening until you're really far down that trail. Because when you're in ministry, again, especially if you're having success, right? Like your youth ministry is thriving. Kids are giving their life to Christ. They're chasing after him. Life is great, right? Like I'm going to dive more into this. It's natural to want to dig in more, do more while your kids don't know who you are, you know, and like that breaks my heart. And so, you know, we could literally dive into this for another 10 minutes, but uh, in the spirit of us, Kyle, getting out of here and not being workaholics, let's wrap this sucker up in like two minutes. Okay. What's the answer to idol worship? What is the resolution. How do you fix this? Don't have anything. Just become a nun. I think that's, I think just, just go live on a mountaintop with only your Bible. So as as a man, can I be a monk or do I have to be a nun? No, I think you'd be a monk. To be fair, you would look really good in a nun's habit. To be fair, I look good in anything that I put on. That's not true. No, it's probably not. <laughs> and I'm going to ask Michaela about it. Although she, she's your biggest fan. She probably would say yes. That's true. She would say yes. And then after you left, be like, okay, here's Definitely the things not. that you shouldn't wear. Yep. Uh, I don't know that, 
Like my my wardrobe, like ninety percent of the clothes that I buy are from like Old Navy or yeah. Target. What's wrong with I, that? I I nothing is well. It depends who you ask. I got you students that are like all of my clothes have to be from whatever, and I'm like, dude, I don't care. Give me Target. Yep. Give me Old Navy. Give me Goodwill. Like Twenty dollar pairs of shoes. I do not want all of the expensive clothes. So maybe I don't. Maybe would I look better if my clothes were more expensive? Probably not. But that's fine. I'm okay with that. I have so much I want to say, but I'm not going to because I love and respect you as my friend, mostly. That was the biggest lie I've ever heard in my life. That's not true. I'm a pastor. I can't lie. You just said that you love and respect me. I well, I said mostly. No, oh, not I all missed, the time. I wasn't listening to that well, part. That's fair. Can I can I wrap this up now? Is that okay um, with you? Well, we'll find out. Okay, I, you could try. We'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Here's how you remedy idol worship. Outside of all the great stuff Kyle said. Yeah, outside of being a nun or a monk. Yep. I think your devotional time needs to be an absolute. Like I'm, I'm not saying if you miss a day, like you're on a slippery slope here, but like something I have had to get to the bottom of as I've known and been loving Jesus for the last 14 years. Um, priority is a big word here. Don't just wake up in the morning and do your devos just because that's what you're supposed to do. If you get more out of it by reading at night when you're more attentive, read at night. Like don't just do it to get your stuff done. Now I was going to hijack your wrap up, but then you basically said what I was going to say. <laughs> it, it's my, cause I've heard, I've heard so many wise people and pastors say like, first thing I do as soon as my feet hit the ground is I, is I get on my knees and I pray and I read by time my feet hit the ground, I barely can walk because I'm so out of it mentally. So I don't like know what reading's you're not going to do anything. I'm, I'm a morning person. I've literally never had coffee before. Like I, I just wake up and, and 99 times out of a hundred, I'm there right away. Uh, but I agree. Like, priority does not just necessarily mean do it first. Priority means give it your best. And so if that is later at night, if that is in the middle of the day, if that is in the morning, uh, give it your best. Yeah. Such a good word. I mean, you're smart. That's why you became a pastor. I, well, yeah. Yeah. God's Uh, on a roll today. Two things to, to end with here accountability. Like this is not just when you struggle with addictions, like you need to have accountability in your life to just see how people, how you're doing, make sure you are, you know, on the right path, not getting it. And people, you know, fortunately we have two wives who are really good at this of saying like, you know what, like, Hey, um, you are at your podcast 10 minutes longer than you're supposed to be. And we are supposed to go do some family stuff here. So wrap this sucker that up. Surely could not be an actual text that you just got Uh second missed call. But uh, the I, third one, I also had two missed calls from my <laughs> wife, but they were, Hey, can you pick this up on your way home? Yeah. So that's good. No, my, my, our wives are amazing. Actually, one of the first call was because we're trying to uh, deal with a company that we bought like $500 from flooring of flooring in yep. like June and we still haven't gotten it. So we're like, got to make like a fraud claim on the credit card. Oh, fun. And, yeah. That's super fun. So then we're dealing with that and she needs me to pick something up on the way home. Here's the last thing, Kyle. You got to ask yourself something. Why am I doing what I'm doing? I think that you had the perfect opportunity to wrap this up by saying, check yourself and you didn't take it. No, you criticized me for having my last title of two, <laughs> two weeks ago, save your drama for your mama. So in what world would I want to unleash that sucker? That is fair. Uh, and hard to argue with. Why am I doing what I'm, what I am doing? Like, I think that is a question we could ask ourselves in so many ways of whether that's you're reading your Bible or that's you're watching 
10 hours straight of Netflix? Like, why am I doing what I'm doing? If the answer is to escape um, and it's not necessarily something like I, I think you can, I'm not saying that the answer to everything is to open your Bible and just pray and everything goes away. Like I'm not saying that, but the purpose of this is is like, if you're drowning away your stress in something that's not God continually, we got to ask ourselves, why am I doing this? Cause God desires to get to the bottom of it. So yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm sorry. I missed the, that, 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 little wrap up and opportunity. I'll be better for you next time. Uh, I, my faith is not high, but I appreciate the effort. Uh, that does it for today's episode. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, constructive criticism or unconstructive criticism, we will take it all. Uh, you can reach us at how not to be a youth pastor at gmail.com. Uh, that's it for today's episode. Derek, I think I am going to go point every piece of furniture in my house, not toward my TV. Goodbye. Goodbye.